Lesson 9 of The Elements of Anatomy and Physiology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in February 2018. The Elements of Anatomy and Physiology by William Rushenberger. Lesson 9 Sight functions of relation sense of sight light apparatus of vision eyebrows eyelids lacrimal apparatus muscles of the eye structure of the eye use of different parts of the eye voice of the sight sight is the sense by which we perceive the form color volume and position of objects that surround us this sense which buffon called distant touch is exercised at a distance through the medium of light to comprehend the mechanism of sight it is not sufficient to know the structure of the eye we must also be familiar with some of the properties of light the study of which subject belongs to that branch of science called optics light is a fluid which fills space and illuminates the earth it emanates from luminous bodies such as the sun the fixed stars and substances in combustion and diffuses itself afar with inconceivable rapidity in proportion as the rays become distant from the body from which they emanate they diverge one from the other and for this reason bodies are better lighted the nearer they are to the illuminating body when light meets with a body it either passes through it or is reflected from it or it may be absorbed those bodies which permit light to pass through them are called transparent those which oppose its passage are called opaque in order to see an object the rays of light which emanate from it or which are reflected by it must reach to the bottom of the eye for this reason an opaque body placed between the eye and the object at which we look renders the latter invisible the surfaces of opaque bodies do not always reflect back the light the same as they receive it as we have said there are some which absorb all the rays such bodies are called black bodies that reflect all the rays or nearly all are white but those which decompose them are colored color is not inherent in bodies it depends upon the manner in which they decompose the light and the kind of luminous ray that the colored body can reflect each ordinary ray of light though it appears colorless to us is composed of seven differently colored rays there is a very simple mode of being convinced of this fact if we receive a bundle of luminous rays which have passed through a glass prison upon a sheet of paper instead of producing a white image it will form an oblong image in which we distinguish the following seven colors namely red orange yellow green blue indigo violet now objects appear to us white when they reflect the light without decomposing it 
and coloured in this or that manner when they decompose it like the prism and absorb some rays and reflect others in passing through transparent bodies rays of light sometimes continue to follow their primitive direction but on other occasions they change their direction and approach towards or diverge from each other for example when a straight stick is plunged half of its length obliquely into water it seems as if it were broken and it is by acting in this way upon light that the concave or convex glasses of spectacles enlarge or diminish the images of bodies this deviation of light is called refraction in order to see a body the rays of light which part from it must reach the bottom of the eye and there paint an image of the object the impression thus produced is perceived by a particular nerve and by it transmitted to the brain which receives the sensation the apparatus of sight is composed first of the organ of vision which consists of the globe of the eye and its nerve second of the accessory organs of vision that is of the protectors and movers of the eye one the globe of the eye figure thirty one is a hollow ball filled with certain humours and so arranged that the rays of light may penetrate it and collect upon the nerve which occupies its bottom the sides of this globe are composed of a very solid membrane which consists of two parts one situated in front and named transparent cornea the other occupying the sides and bottom and called sclerotica figure thirty one the sclerotica surrounds the eye in all parts except in front it is white and entirely opaque it is this part which is vulgarly called the white of the eye the transparent cornea is on the contrary diaphanous it is framed into a great hole in the sclerotica and resembles a somewhat arched watch glass set into a hollow white ball a short distance behind the transparent cornea is found a sort of vertical partition named iris from its varied colors which are seen through the cornea its centre is pierced by an opening which is susceptible of enlargement and diminution it is called the pupil the space comprised between the cornea and the iris is called the anterior chamber of the eye which is filled with a transparent liquid called the aqueous humor behind the pupil we find the crystalline lens which is a transparent lens of a globular form and behind the crystalline we find a diaphantous mass soft as jelly which is called vitreous humor and which fills all the interior of the globe of the eye the optic nerve which comes from the brain enters the globe of the eye through the posterior part of the sclerotica and then expands itself out into a soft whitish membrane called retina which envelopes the hinder part of the vitreous humor between the retina and the internal face of the sclerotica we find another membrane generally colored black called the choroid tunica choroides it is this coat which is seen through the retina and the humours of the eye when we look towards the bottom of the organ and which gives to the pupil the appearance of being a black spot inside of a hole 
such are the different parts which compose the globe of the eye let us pass to the consideration of vision the rays of light which leave an object at which we look penetrate to the retina and there form a small but very clear image of that object the manner in which the light acts in the interior of the eye is the same as in the optical instrument called a camera obscura the different transparent parts through which the luminous rays pass to get from the cornea to the retina have the effect of collecting the rays and concentrating them upon the retina it is the crystalline lens especially that determines this concentration of light and upon this phenomenon depends the formation of images at the bottom of the eye when the eye concentrates the light with too much force we cannot see distinctly except at a very short distance to this infirmity is applied the term myopia or short-sightedness when on the contrary the luminous rays are not sufficiently concentrated in their passage through the eye only distant objects are distinctly seen and this defect is called presbyopia or long-sightedness this feebleness in the refracting power of the eye is a consequence of old age and is remedied by wearing convex glasses before the eyes to give short-sighted people a longer vision we must on the contrary employ spectacles with concave glasses which scatter the luminous rays and thus counterbalance the too strong refracting force of the eye the iris is contractile and its principal use is to regulate the quantity of light which should penetrate to the bottom of the eye when the light is too vivid it contracts and consequently diminishes the pupil through which the rays must pass to reach the retina in the dark on the contrary the pupil is enlarged the choroid membrane which lines the internal face of the globe of the eye is covered with a sort of black varnish which absorbs all the luminous rays not necessary for vision images painted if we may use this term upon the retina are transmitted to the brain through the medium of the optic nerve the accessory parts of the apparatus of vision are of two kinds the one is designated to protect the globe or ball of the eye the other to move it and give the required direction to fulfil its functions in the best manner the protecting organs of the eye are first the orbit second the eyelids third the lacrimal apparatus fourth the eyebrows the orbit is a great bony cavity hollowed out in the face on each side of the nose it has the form of a cone the base of which is open and directed forward its parietes are formed above by the frontal bone below by the superior maxillary bone externally or outwardly by the malar or cheekbone and internally by the bones which belong partly to the nose the bottom of the orbit is pierced by a large hole which communicates with the cranium and gives passage to the optic nerve the ball of the eye is set into this cavity and rests upon a sort of cushion formed of fat it is protected in the same way on all sides except in front and there we find the eyelids the eyelids are movable curtains stretched in front of the ball of the eye 
on the outside they are formed of the skin internally they are lined by a smooth membrane which is reflected over the front of the eye upon the sclerotica and this membrane is called the membrana conjunctiva between these two membranes the conjunctiva and the skin there is placed a thin plate of fibrous and resisting substance called tarsus or palpebral cartilage as well as muscles which serve to move these organs in men there are two eyelids one superior and the other inferior the superior eyelid is larger than the inferior each eyelid has two edges or borders one is continuous with the skin the other is free the free border of the eyelids is bristled with delicate hairs called cilia or eyelashes the use of the cilia is to form a kind of little grating in front of the eye to arrest foreign bodies the presence of which would interfere with the exercise of vision the eyelids perform the double office of protecting the ball of the eye by closing in front of it and of rendering it inaccessible to luminous rays the brilliancy of which might disturb sleep besides the eyelids by their alternate movement of depression and elevation spread over the front of the globe of the eye the tears an aqueous liquid which prevents the cornea from drying and also favors the motion of the eyelids the lacrimal apparatus which secretes the tears is composed of several organs some of which are destined to form this liquid and pour it over the front of the eye and as the presence of the tears if too long continued would become troublesome other organs convey them from the eye the first organs are first the lacrimal gland a small body the size of an almond placed at the exterior and superior part of the globe of the eye between it and the orbitary cavity figure thirty two it serves to secrete the tears second several small canals which arise in this gland and open upon the internal face of the adhering border of the upper eyelid where they constantly pour upon the conjunctiva the lacrimal fluid or tears the organs destined to carry away those tears which have been spread over the front of the eye and to convey them into the nasal fossae or nostrils are two little canals which open upon the free border of the eyelids near the internal angle of the eye by two small orifices called the lacrimal points puncta lacrimalia figure thirty two each of these points which are placed one above and the other below communicate with a little curved canal which runs inwards and opens into a vertical conduit that is larger in size called the nasal canal and which empties into the nasal fossae the function of these lacrimal puncta is to pump up and receive the tears as fast as they are poured over the eye in this way the fluid is carried off as fast as it is formed under particular circumstances the equilibrium between these two phenomena is destroyed and either that the tears are secreted in too large a quantity or the lacrimal puncta do not pump them off with proportioned activity or they are obstructed in the passage through the lacrimal ducts and nasal canal this fluid overruns the eyelids and falls in considerable quantity along the cheeks 
the eyebrows which form a ridge above the orbit and are garnished with hairs also belong to the protecting organs of the eye but their use is less important than that of those organs of which we have just spoken they assist in shading the eyes when exposed to strong light the motor organs of the eye consist of six muscles which are fixed by their anterior extremities into the sclerotica and by their posterior extremities to the bottom of the orbit figure thirty three by contracting they direct the ocular globe to the side where their muscular fibres are placed the apparatus of vision presents nearly the same structure in the mammalia birds reptiles and fishes but in insects the organization of the eyes is very different as we shall see when we come to the history of these animals through the medium of the senses we take cognizance of all that surrounds us but our relations with the external world would be very imperfect if we could not act upon these bodies exchange place and express what we feel indeed we do possess this power which is the result of the faculty of producing sounds and of the faculty of executing motion of the voice voice consists in the production of a particular sound by the aid of the air which escapes from the lungs a great number of organs take part in the performance of this function but that one which is especially its seat is the larynx a sort of cartilaginous tube which at its superior extremity opens into the pharynx by an opening named glottis and which by its inferior opening communicates with the windpipe which is in a manner only a prolongation of it figures thirty four and thirty five the larynx is essentially the organ which produces the voice and it is the passage of air through its interior which occasions the sounds there formed to deprive an animal of this faculty it is only necessary to open the windpipe for then the air finding an exit through the accidental opening no longer passes through the larynx nor is it subjected to the vibrations which would have been imparted by this organ the larynx which is composed of several cartilaginous plates forming in front what is vulgarly called adam's apple is lined by a mucous membrane which forms near its middle two broad lateral folds directed from the front backwards and arranged very much like the edges of a buttonhole these folds are called the vocal cords or inferior ligaments of the glottis by the aid of a little muscle situate in their folds the slit or opening of the glottis which is between them can be narrowed or enlarged under ordinary circumstances the air expelled from the lungs passes freely through the larynx and produces no sound but when the opening of the glottis is narrowed by the contraction of the muscles of this organ and the passage of the air becomes more rapid the voice is heard words are produced by the modifications which the column of air receives in the interior of the mouth by the combined action of the palate the cheeks the tongue and lips end of lesson nine